When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we do have some news to discuss throughout the past week, but at the same time, it's a lot of news about the similar topics, which is Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, which only makes sense because that is the only news right now for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, those are going to be the driving headlines for quite a while now until, well, for quite a while, I guess I should say, until either a deals are done or free agency opens. There's no in-between. They're going to take over our headlines. They're going to take over all of our news spots, so just get ready. Every little inkling of information we get is going to be discussed and extrapolated to no end. And quite honestly, rightfully so. I think... Both of us have mentioned multiple times and on multiple occasions that these two are franchise stalwarts. These two are pillars of the team, then now forever, if you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're most likely going to have their jersey numbers retired here. They're going to be remembered forever in Penguins lore. Every little move that happens with these guys this summer should be put under a microscope because it is so important to their legacy as to if they stick around or not. Uh, There's a lot of sides to be taken on this story and on this argument of whether or not one or the other should stay. They should both stay, or or they should both leave. There's a lot of conversations happening at once. Honestly, I'm starting to be on the fence of whatever happens, happens. This team is going to be fine regardless, I genuinely do think. Uh, Because there are alternatives. Let's say we lose one or both. There are alternatives, some hard alternatives in some cases. Uh, let's say they keep both. Well, then the heartstrings stay intact, and they're both still very skilled players. Mm-hmm. So I think no matter what, the Penguins are going to come out perfectly okay with this situation. I know I just kind of summed up the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple coffees this morning. I'm ready to go. When I look at the situation at this point, I'm in a similar boat to you. Is like it, Whatever happens is going to happen to me. It's important what Ron Hextall and the Pittsburgh Penguins do other than that. Because if this, like, if you keep both cool, you still have a lot of work to do. If you keep one of them, cool, you have a lot of work to do. If you keep neither of them, you have a whole bunch of work to do. It's not just a matter of, hey, if they bring them both back, they'll be good. Or, hey, if they if they bring Latang back, they'll still be fine. It's a matter of, what do you do after that is what I'm going to look into. And that's, of course, what we get to do all summer long. But let's talk a little bit about the news that did actually come out, the fresh facts, the fresh instances that we heard about and it is from Josh Yoey of the Athletic he remains the driving force and the driving voice of Pittsburgh Penguins on this side of things he heard that it is unlikely as of right now that Evgeny Malkin returns not that it is not happening but that it is unlikely as of now that was the main thing we're not going to go into everything of his story because if you want to subscribe to the Athletic go do that because, you know, he did does great work, and we sh- we're not going to give it all away for free. But that is the main thing there. One of many, many things there is is that he heard that it's unlikely. Was this shocking to you at all, Horwater? Or is at this point, when there already hasn't been news announced, it's feeling like, hey, if one of them doesn't come back, it was going to be Malkin anyway. Something about these conversations, I just had this hunch that it was going to last a while. Just because a player of Evgeny Malkin's stature comes out and says that he's already a pretty rich guy and is willing to take a pay cut. I said immediately after that on this podcast, if you can find the episode, go find it. I said immediately, call his bluff. Lowball him. And then they did it, and I went, wait, don't actually do that. (laughs) (laughs) Find both of those episodes. I'm sure it's great. But that's assuming that's what they did, and that, that can immediately drive a wedge between the two sides in negotiations. 
Sure, he said he'd take a pay cut. Sure, he's probably going to get a pay cut. It is now just a matter of how much. A $1 million pay cut, is, while it is a pay cut, it is not much. So if, if he wants $8 million and that's what he wants, he's going to get it, whether it's here or somewhere else. That's the thing, that now that this as this drags on, it's going to either become the Penguins get him at a number that might be a little high, or another team gets him at a higher number because they're willing to pay it. It's going to be interesting. I think the first, I think the longer this goes on, I don't get worried about it just because 11th hour things are usually the most dramatic and why not these two to be dramatic? Um, so I'm not worried about the length that the, how long it's taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is kind of slowing things down and making things a little redundant, but um, it doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me that much. Yeah, when I think about it and when I look at the situation, again, there's nothing we can do from this side of things but but wait and watch. Now, I want to hear the resolution to this because I want to break down the resolution to this, but at the same time, it is up to Hextall, to Malkin, to Malkin's agent, to Latang, Latang's agent, uh, Burke is involved in this. I'm sure Fenway is involved in this. I'm sure Mario, to some extent, is involved in this. It's up to those guys to make those decisions. And of all of those guys that I mentioned, the one other thing I'll mention from Josh Yoey's story is, apparently, Ron Hextall is a frustrating person to work with when it comes to contract negotiations, at least for, for the agents of these players, which, to that I say, good. That's what you need to be. But when you're frustrating to work with, for Evgeny Malkin's agent and with Chris Latang's agent, maybe you need to be frustrating all the way across the board and not just hand Jeff Carter all the magic beans that he wants. That's what's frustrating to me. Oh, I understand that. I absolutely understand that. That makes total sense too. It's it's if you're going to be difficult, be difficult to you know the players that aren't as skilled, that aren't as good sure he's your buddy buddy that's fine that's all well and good but then you got to be that lenient all the way around not that lenient all the way around but you have to give a little more because with that burke interview he did not too long ago and i'm sure we'll discuss parts of it um he said pretty sternly they don't plan on budging the penguin side of things Mm -mm. which is very interesting so um there's I know, it's going to be a long two weeks, everybody. It's going to be a bunch of the same discussions. Every little piece is going to be talked about, and it should be. But they're not budging. They're not going to move. Interesting. And I'm glad you brought up the Burke interview. Let's get into that now because he had a 20-minute interview on the Jeff Merrick Show, which is a must-listen if you're into everything hockey, not just Pittsburgh Penguins. And I think he does that pretty often, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, because he used to work for Sportsnet, so they the guys have all worked together. So he does that a lot for Jeff Merrick. But he went on the Jeff Merrick Show earlier this week, and he started off the Penguins conversation because it was a 20-minute interview. He had many, many more pressing matters to discuss than the Pittsburgh Penguins in that interview. So the last two and a half minutes is when he actually got into the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the first thing he said is, listen, you have to understand, we want both of these guys back because of what they mean to the city. Yes, we understand that, but mainly because they're both very good players. But they have to come back at the term and the year that makes sense, which means the Penguins are not going to go out there and eventually be like, you know what, at the end of the day, we need them anyway, just pay them fold, cater to their needs. They're not going to do that. And that makes sense and aligns with what Yoey said about Ron Hextall and with what Brian Burke is as a human being. So it makes complete and utter sense that the Penguins are operating from that level. The ball sounds to be in the player's court, specifically Chris Letang's court, because he also reiterated the fact that we already knew Chris Letang is their priority. They've been working harder towards getting Chris Letang done than Evgeny Malkin. Not that they haven't been working with Malkin, but Latang has been the front runner in these discussions. So, Horwat, what did you think when you saw that, yes, they need to be back at this term and year, or else they're not going to come back? It was the first time, really, someone within within the discussions said, you know, we're kind of word for word, they might not be here. They could go. Um, and that's difficult to hear. I mean, I get where the team side is coming from with the term. You get it. You know, it, Letang wants five years. That's a long time. He's 35. 
and I take from but what an interview Bob Grove did on the did on the fan yesterday as well as Bob Grove has no problem giving Crystal Tank five years. No problem. Because mm-hmm. he is not your average thirty five year old. He's the only player in Penguins history to put up a career year at the age of thirty five. He seems to still have the stamina and the durability. And maybe durability is the wrong word. He's been injured a lot in his career. But he has the stamina to play 25-plus minutes a night and still remain an elite-level player. The team seems to think he can still be an elite-level player. Um, but five years, again, for a 35-year-old is a long time. And I can understand how that's the holdup. Money, not so much. I think, as, as we found out over the last... Uh, few uh, information drops to come out uh, they're only in part by 125 1 million 1.25 million which isn't much in the grand scheme of things it's a whole jack johnson buyout but <laughs> that's a different discussion for another day but when you're that close to money I th- you think that gets resolved fairly easily it is a term situation now um but i always want now now i want to raise this question of they want to line everyone up at that three-year deal to end with crosby right what if See, Crosby's not done? Why not give Latang the extra two if Crosby's like, I got two more in me? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, we that's three seasons of hockey to be played before like things can happen. But I'd say if if Crosby is willing himself to stick around another two, Malkin, I regardless of the at the end of this three, I think that's it, just because hard miles i think he wants we think he wants to play in russia and uh it's evgeny malkin <laughs> i don't see him going past the three regardless of what happens but for malk for crosby and latang well, why not give latang the five i'm starting to come around to the idea too he isn't your average 35 year old if sid says i got two years left in me let's knock it out together i don't see an issue with it it just has to be the right price now also uh, dear God, no trade clauses, just in case things do fall off. Yeah, I mean, if if he's willing to do, even if you're going to give him the first couple years, like it's a five-year deal, you give him the first three with Crosby, align it, it the same way that Brian Russ did. If you could do that, then that works out. If he wants the full no trade the whole way through, you're going to have to eat. You, no, you're not going to have to eat that. But if you eat that, it is something that goes against the contract at the end of the day because a 40-year-old Chris Letang with a no trade clause not worse than Jeff Carter with a no trade clause, but uh, it, it's still not the prettiest of facts in that conversation. But what all this kind of led to, and when I was listening to it, and I've been asking the question around for the last couple of days, asking different people that we know, has anybody heard anything on any other <laughs> free agents? Like the Penguins have like eight guys that are unsigned right now and getting ready to walk to free agency they have a couple restricted free agents that to my knowledge they haven't extended qualifying offers to and then you heard brian burke on the jeff merrick show say listen this is a puzzle we're doing this piece by piece Latang, then malkin then we go and i'm like okay so have you talked to anybody and that could lend to the fact that we saw casper bjorkfist head over to finland oh yeah he he bounced quickly um as an RFA, no less. So, yeah, I'm assuming they haven't extended offers to RFAs because Bjorkwist said, I'm out, and he definitely doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Bjorkwist also, I totally didn't read into this in time enough uh, to have the information. He was not pleased here. No. Um, I did not realize that, so that's that sucks for him. Um, hopefully, maybe he's got a hell of a future ahead of him. Hopefully, maybe the Penguins and Bjorkwist can... Uh, figure things out and bring him back and he's happy here uh, if not more power to him and going to play in his home country and enjoying himself honestly that's in the grand scheme of things as long as you're happy you're happy and you're doing what you love it's you want to do it the right way but that hurts to know that that he wasn't happy with his time in the ahl specifically i guess mm-hmm. um he, he, you know he mentioned that he got to live out his dream and was lucky enough to score a goal in the nhl that's a great start i mean dude has a chance to fight for a roster spot really if he wants to stick around here extend him that qualifying offer but now the assumption is he's not he has no one else has been giving given qualifying offers Mm -hmm. no other r or uh, ufas even have been given an offer we 
that is an interesting move to take whenever a guy like Ricard Raquel is an upcoming UFA and can fetch a page because money talks, man. Mm-hmm. You can come to him as free agency is open all you want with a, with a number. Someone somewhere else might offer him more, regardless of team or ability to win. Money's the guarantee in this in this game. Yeah. So you have to make sure they are prepared and ready. Uh, you, you mentioned that earlier that uh, am I worried about these negotiate the negotiations between Malkin and Latang going long? Well, now I am. I wasn't then, but now the more I'm thinking about it and saying uh, those two getting held up until free agency day mm-hmm. is only holding up everyone else in this team. Yeah. That's not good. So now I am worried about it. Thanks. <laughs> well, reports said that Brian Burke has not put a hard and steadfast deadline on the Latang and Malkin conversations. I think there is inherently one, and it's a forced one by the NHL calendar, and that is the opening of free agency. Because once free agency opens, if you end up not getting these deals done, you're screwed because all those other names that you're going to want to fill in, whether it be somebody that you personally, Horwat, or me personally, or any other person listening to this personally wants to see the Penguins get, Trocheck. Miller, who's a trade candidate, not necessarily a free agent, but like Trocheck, Kadri, you brought up as Forsberg is a dream candidate. These guys are going to get signed and get signed quickly because they're going to get money thrown at them. And there's a certain amount of teams that can do that. But if you don't have this situation done and you're stern on the fact that you're not going to do any other business until this is done, you're going to lose out on opportunities. That's just an inherent fact. Now, whether or not it actually played into the Casper Bjorkvist departure. He goes and signs with Olin Karpat of Liga. Six games with the Penguins, one goal last season. It's weird because at the end of the year, Hextall had that conf- press conference, said that, listen, we know we need to use youth a lot more next year. Mentioned Bjorkvist twice when he was lift- listing off names. Might have been a mistake. Might have just forgot that he said it. But it's it, it's in the front of his mind. And then Bjorkvist just leaves. Now, listen, he's still an RFA, still technically under Penguins' control. If they send him a contract, he can sign it and come back. We've seen other players use this as negotiating tactics. I don't think it's that, simply because I don't think Bjorkvist has quite, you know, the leverage of his play, whereas he can be replaced a little bit by a guy like Hollander, by a guy like Zahorna, by a guy... Other Pustinen. centers, Pustinen is a, is a winger, but centers, sa- okay. sa- same thing because yeah. Bjorkvist plays center. But there's also four or three centers in the NHL right now with the Penguins, and if they sign Malkin, it's four. So <laughs> I don't think this is really a leverage play by Bjorkvist, but it's just a, a sign that, listen, a lot of the young European prospects now are starting to go over. It started with the middle army. You saw Rikla earlier this offseason, chose to go back. He didn't like the way that he was being handled here in the Penguins organization. And now Bjorkvist. And now we don't know if that's the reason. But we do know that there's a history of him not being pleased with his progression. And now he's he's playing over in Finland. So I don't know if there's anything to that. But it certainly seems like there might be. Yeah. It, as a contract negotiation tactic... I get it. That does make sense for players to do. Uh, and it would make sense, I think, in Bjorkvist's case. Like, hey, play me a little more in the NHL, or I'm literally going to go to Ru- go to Finland. I already have a contract. But it's the quote where he said that he wasn't pleased that sticks out to me as he doesn't care. Not that he doesn't care, but he was not pleased with his AHL time. Um, and like you mentioned, we have three, possibly a fourth center already on the NHL squad. Mm-hmm. There's no room for him. He's going to be back in the AHL again where he just said he wasn't pleased. I think it's most likely we're losing him, um, and that hurts because it's one of our top prospects in a very thin prospect pool. Yeah. So, <laughs> damn. Got to figure that one out. But, yeah, it's it hurts to see him go like that, but we're, we're at a logjam at center. There's nothing else we can do about it because we just had the long conversation of how we and the team want Malkin back. Well, yeah. there's the fourth center right there that immediately mm-hmm. stop gaps any a 
not immediately stops them from making the NHL, but that immediately stops most of these AHL centers from cracking a lineup. Yep. And you have to imagine there's other guys, and I wrote a story for Inside the Penguins for, for SI yesterday about other players and other prospects that are going to look at this and take it as an opportunity. Hollander being chief among them because he is right there. I mean, he's 22 years old right now. He needs to take a step next year, but it certainly helps when the depth chart has one name taken out of it already. Hollander played in one game last year. You would think that with Bjorkfist out, who was expected to have a real shot in training camp of making of being either the next guy in or maybe possibly even being that guy and bumping Carter to wing, you never know what those guys are going to think about up at the NHL level. Now that's Hollander's opportunity. A guy like Lucas Svechkovsky, who's not going to make the NHL next year, but he bumps up the, the depth chart. It helps. He might have a chance to make the Wilkes-Barre team next year. If that's where the Penguins want him, he has one year left of eligibility in the WHL, but he might go from there straight to Wilkes-Barre and be a second liner, be a power play guy. Similarly, Nathan Legere. Because again, one less prospect means even though he has struggled, he bumps up that list. A and the last thing I'll say about this before we cut to a quick break is... I don't know about Ricola and about Bjorkfist how much of it is that Patrick Alvin left the organization at the end of last year. I Ooh. don't know if that has anything to do with it, but of course, we we're giving Alvin a lot of credit on the work that he was doing in Europe, in Finland, in Sweden, in all those countries with the scouting and with the promises and bringing those guys over. Him leaving, I'm not sure how much of a bearing that has on these European players heading back over because they weren't happy with their development. And now potentially the guy that had a part in bringing them over and keeping them happy here is gone. Because I know for a fact, for me personally, if I get a job somewhere because of this guy and this guy's making promises to me and then he leaves, I'm less likely to stay. But you that's know, just me in general. Like hockey is different, but I do think there's still that element there. There is that element for sure, but... Do you think uh, at least Ricola maybe would have stuck around and tried to see if he can get an offer from Vancouver? Because, I mean, I, I don't know how good or bad their defense is. Quinn Hughes is there, OEL, Tyler Myers, Travis Dermott. They have a hey, Luke Shen. They could use help on defense. They could, and that's what they're looking for, but I don't know if Yusuf Ricola is – the type of player they're looking for. Like, they're looking for a John Marino, a top-four guy. And, and Ricola, despite being somebody we both love, is not that guy. Right, but it's a... I mean, it was, it's just the thought of... It's the... It's the uh, it's that connection, but... Mm -hmm. No, I get it either way. Um, losing your... Losing Patrick Alvin, losing the guy that may have been a big reason why you got over here. Um, you know, not being here anymore hurts. Does. I also missed two more defensemen, Tucker Poolman also. Yeah, no, they don't have space. <laughs> yeah. So nonetheless, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk about the areas of improvement for the Penguins or the ones that they need to improve upon heading into next season. We'll be right back. There's a certain confidence that comes with being properly groomed. There's an aura, a vibe. You can just tell by the way they carry themselves. We call this BGE, Big Groomed Energy. And there's only one way to get that BGE, Manscaped. We'd like to introduce you to their best and biggest ultimate hygiene bundle yet, the Platinum Package 4.0. Manscaped is the leader in below the waist grooming. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS. Manscaped's brand new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest bundle they've ever offered, giving you a bulk discount on Manscaped's top products. Inside this Platinum Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, Crop Preserver Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Spray Toner, Anti-Chafing Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag to hold all your goods while traveling. In addition to shaving, you can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ALLSTEALERS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code ALLSTEALERS. Unlock your big groomed energy with Manscaped. And remember, when you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. We talked a lot about the most recent news, which again, except for the Casper Bjorkfist departure, a lot of the status quo, just tidbits on the Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang stuff. If you're tired of hearing us talk about it, don't worry. We're getting tired of talking about it as well. We're hoping to get a resolution here, as Brian Burke said, in the not-too-distant future but let's talk a little bit about the team as a whole and I want to ask you Horwat, what do you think the most pressing area for improvement for the Penguins is I think there's two personally and I, I think they're pretty glaring holes but which one do you think or what do you think is the biggest area it's really hard to say part of me wants to say that prospect pool just because we've been talking about it forever mm-hmm. and that's an easy one because that needs to be filled up eventually uh, we keep discussing bringing up these guys and they just keep having setbacks other than that maybe defense has become a log jam i would i would say just finding productive wingers that can actually uh produce Mm -hmm. that's gonna be my top answer here that's gonna be the final answer because jason zoker kasperi kapanen are names no, they can do stuff. We've seen them produce in the NHL before. We've seen them have success with the Penguins before. Um, Zuckert's un- unfortunate injuries all over, all around. That hurts. That was poor choice of words. But it doesn't help his uh, productivity with the Penguins. And then Kapanen, we just don't know what happened this year. And, that's the, and it was the wrong time to do it. We saw Evan Rodriguez pop off for half of a season, which was great. That back half didn't help. Now we just need these productive, some sort of productive uh, wingers, left or right wing, that can do something. Brian Russ and Jake Ensel, we know they can. They're the top line for a reason. Malkin just, all season that he played, half his season, filtering in and out of wingers on both sides of him. Nothing was consistent for him, so it was hard for him to get his footing. Somehow still managed to get over a point a game. And then uh, Heinen was a good little addition. We like having him around. Uh, Brock McGinn was fine. I've seen a lot of people recently say he shouldn't be here. Um, But I'd say he pulled through perfectly okay. Uh, And then you get down to the bottom line, which this year could be anybody. So I'd say finding productive wingers that can be a little more consistent um, is the biggest area for improvement this upcoming season. And it might be as easy as finding... Like, it'd be nice to find three more, but it's as easy as finding one... And then getting one to, like, if Pustinen comes up and is able to be anything of what we expect him to be, then that is part of the answer to that question. Because wingers is another one of the areas that I have. One of my two areas is the winger position. Because if you look at even Brian Rust at the end of last season, he scored four goals in the last 19 games. And the reason being, and I got a story about this coming out, is because he didn't, move in his ice time after the trade deadline he still played around 18 minutes and 45 seconds but he played a lot more time on the penalty kill so i get that he can do it but just because he can doesn't mean he should somebody that might be able to if you bring him back is captain force him to play that penalty kill force him to get better on that penalty kill because he has the speed now all the whiffing that he did with the puck at the end of last season doesn't make me very confident that he'd be able to clear the puck but Again, is he going to be as bad as he was last season? I don't think so. Like, it was it was putrid. There were times last season where I wanted him to be in the ECHL playing for the Wheeling Nailers. It was bad. But is he going to be that bad again next year? I highly doubt it. You need to remold what he is as an NHL player if you're going to bring him back. But at the end of the day, they need to utilize Brian Rust to what he is. And that is one of the top scoring wingers on this team and not somebody that you should be trying to play penalty kill power play and first line minutes take out the penalty kill i'm sure you'll be able to find somebody else to fill that role aka drew o'connor but they do need more consistent scoring depth because it was all over the place you did have 
nothing from Kapanen. That that was consistent. That was the most consistent thing we saw last year is you had nothing from Kasperi Kapanen. But Brock McGinn at points was scoring goals. Before he had that injury, he, he was actually pretty good. Danton Heinen was hot at points. Hot to start, hot to end, putrid in the middle, which happens to be when he played with Evgeny Malkin. Evan Rodriguez, again, he did it more consistently than basically any other a, a winger, and I know he also played center, but consistently perfect through the first half of the season. Bad second half, pretty good playoffs. Pretty good, pretty good postseason. But they need somebody else there. Listen, a player like JT Miller would be great. That sounds like a Pharisee. A fallacy, whatever the word is. It sounds like it's not gonna happen. Fairy tale fallacy, yeah. Fairy tale, yeah, fairy tale fallacy. It's gonna be expensive. I get that he's he's playing in the GOAT League in Pittsburgh, which I love, by the way. It's gonna be expensive. It's unlikely. It's a great idea. But it's just not going to happen. But they need somebody similar to that. I said it earlier in the in the offseason. The Phil Kessel type. Not Phil Kessel. But the type of player that can come in and can score a goal just by coming down the wing and shooting it on net. Because he has that killer instinct, that shooting ability. That's what they need out of a winger. They don't have it right now other than maybe a Jake Gensel. They need more of those guys. And I know they're expensive. They're tough to come by. But they're out there. And you can find them. Yeah. No, they're out there. You may even get shocked by one. Yeah. You may make a signing that you're just thinking, third line guy to fill a hole for now, and then he pops off. I.e. Danton Heinen for the excuse me, back half of this season. Let's say you get that at the beginning. Suddenly, you're on to something. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, sure, you have an idea when you bring a player in. You have to find the guy that fits your system, fits your role that you're looking for, um, and maybe just needs the change of scenery. And that's what exactly what Heinen was. So if you're able to find something like that again and is and they hold on to consistency, again, that's the key here. Mm-hmm. You've found kind of a diamond in the rough because who knows how much you're paying him. Maybe it's not much. It's also not forgetting this whole conversation. Quite simply, Ricard Raquel could help a lot with this. Yeah, Ricard Raquel is one of those guys. Yeah. But, oh, man, he, it, that just doesn't seem likely because we keep holding off on the Malkin on the tank situation and Raquel is a guy that is going to get a big payday somewhere here we may be able to keep him around for not as much hey here's the offer because we want to keep you around get him sign him before free agency hits or free agency hits hey here's a here's a blank check from another team fill it in that's what's gonna hurt I don't know if he's gonna quite get that because it is still a flat cap world but still I mean you look at it and would the longer you wait on to it, the more, hey, right now, you're the only person negotiating with Ricard Raquel. In 13 days, there's going to be 31 other guys that have the opportunity. They might, they're not all going to negotiate with them, but 31 other teams, 31 other general managers are going to have the opportunity to reach out and say, well, wait a minute, before you look at that offer, we have one for you too. So I, I do think that wingers is a very important thing. I'm glad you brought that up to me. And this is an obvious one, and people are going to scream through their phones, through their laptops, tablets, whatever they're listening to this on. The Penguins need to entirely overhaul their power play system. Because you cannot continue to be that ineffective. I don't care if Malkin and Latang don't come back. Crosby, Gensel, Rust. You cannot be that ineffective with those three. For me, I feel like Crosby is not utilized enough in the current system. It might be because it's been a while. I've tried to go back and look at some of the stuff, and I have. But it feels like Sidney Crosby is not utilized enough. It is ran primarily through Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin at the point. Crosby is down low, and I understand he can do magical things down low. But at the same time, his vision, his hockey IQ, he should probably be the guy that is preliminarily up there with Letang. And again, maybe not even run that system change the system because guess what else is fixed in that the breakout the penguins it takes forever to set up their power play system and when they finally get it set up half of the time it doesn't work so i don't know why we're proving the definition of insanity by trying to do this over and over again i don't know if it is todd reardon that is just that stubborn about it i don't know if it is the players that say that this is what is best for them i don't know 
but something needs to change with the Penguins' power play because it needs to be more effective than it has been in the past couple seasons. It does. It does. Man, we've been saying this since 2005. Yeah. <laughs> a power play that has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and fill in the last two names should not be uh, this flat. It's not that they don't score. They get their power play goals. It's inconsistent, and it just does seem flat sometimes. It seems boring. It seems like they're not taking their shots. It's just oh, the passing game. It's the passing game. It's the passing game. We look like the Steelers. <laughs> they're just throwing it everywhere they can. They're not taking their chances at scoring. Um, that does need to change, and I think that was a big factor in the playoffs this year. How, how are you going to fail to score on multiple five-on-threes in important, no less, games. That's where, it, yeah, that needs to change absolutely, and I'm glad you thought of that, and I didn't because I haven't, I didn't think too deeply about the question. I kind of looked at roster, but yes, yeah. that needs to be, no matter who's on the lineup, we know Crosby's still going to be here. No, we know Gensel is still going to be here. We know Rust is still going to be here, bare minimum for that power play. You've, again, it's always, you got those three goal scores, point, per, point, adders whatever fill in two more names figure it out those three guys no matter who they are like i said crosby malkin latang crosby gensel rust the other two should not matter so those three themselves can figure it out and score it is the system i don't like the whole drop back Mm -hmm. to bring it in again i don't know i don't know any other system that could work maybe just i don't know skating into the zone (laughs) just a thought you're a man up when you're a man up, you have that the loose guy to remain open and carry if you need to. Um, I can remember I whenever I played four on four in line, when we were a man up, and we lost the puck per se, our coach tells us two guys. You have an extra man out there. You can still cover your guy, but there's a loose guy. Two guys on the puck. If you lose it, should help you get it back a little quicker. So you have the extra guy. Utilize him. Yeah. And I think the other thing about the power play, and we'll move on to shout-outs and call-outs here right after I get this point out, but it feels like they're a little too stagnant whenever they're on the power play. It's a lot of people standing in one spot, moving a couple feet here and there, but no switching, no complexity to it, which is why it seems like the New York Rangers were able to figure it out. And realistically, any team that just played aggressive on the point figured out the fact that they could probably slow down the Pittsburgh Penguins' power play by simply being aggressive on the puck. But let's move over to shout-outs and call-outs, shall we? Horwat, who are you shouting out this week? I want to shout-out Brian Reynolds. Three home run game. You know, for that matter, we haven't had shout-outs and call-outs since this happened. Jack Sawinski, too, he did it. Three home run games uh, for both those guys. And the Pirates, while they're still losing quite a lot, quite a lot, they look fun again. They look like a fun team to watch again. Mm-hmm. O'Neill Cruz has already been a ton of fun. I don't care that he strikes out that much. He's young. The team, again, is not supposed to be good this year. They have the fourth overall pick. Um, Brian Reynolds is coming through. Happy June, ladies and gentlemen. Brian <laughs> Reynolds is here. Uh, Bly Madris was fun for a little bit. Jack Sawinski's going to be up for Rookie of the Year. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I missing anybody? Who am I missing? Henry Davis is coming along just fine in the minors. Yeah, uh, I, I love what I've seen from Rowanzi Contreras. Everyone loves Rowanzi Day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we do just need to figure out that pitching, and I don't know what happened to the bullpen, but it doesn't look fun again. Oh, David Bednar is a ton of fun. Yeah. So <clears throat> I the can't. Bu- the Buckos are fun again. They're not good, but they're fun. I can't wait for Ben Gamble to get healthy because I saw a couple of. Uh, things about his rehab stint in Indianapolis, and we have to send down Bly Madras because Ben Gamble's ready. Oh, yay. <laughs> Old guy. Older yeah, guy. Yeah, listen, I don't I don't hate Ben Gamble, but I would much rather watch Bly Madras play than Ben Gamble because that's more so of the future. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been a pretty decent season for the Buckos. I've been happy to watch some of that a little bit more this year than I have been in years past. I will hang on to that sweep of the Dodgers this whole season. I don't care. So will we're every not other so, Pirates fan. We're not supposed to be good this year. Everyone can make fun of us because we're making fun of us too. <laughs> like, yeah, we everything that other fans say about the Pirates, we have already said, if not said worse. So yes. hit us with it. We're just having fun this year. We're not going to be good next year, maybe. 
So my shout out is the LA Kings, a bit of business that they did on Wednesday evening. Really the first big move of the NHL offseason, which is always fun because you're like, all right, they're the first ones in. This might be a domino effect. And then most of the time it isn't. Like There's like a, a week gap between that and the next move. Hopefully something else happens. But the LA Kings acquired Kevin Fiala from the Minnesota Wild last night in exchange for a first round pick and defensive prospect Brock Faber. Now Fiala had 33 goals and 85 points for the Wild last season, but due to some contract discrepancies, he was not going to end up resigning with the Minnesota Wild. So I think it was a pretty good job by Billy Guerin to get a decent defensive prospect and the 19th overall pick in this year's draft, which is magic beans, but still has some value to it for a guy that, you know, wasn't going to come back in the first place. But then Fiala signed a seven-year, $7.9 million with the Kings. That is an expensive contract, but nonetheless, he's going to be a very nice addition to that LA Kings roster that was already a playoff team this year. Not only that, but a playoff team that took the Edmonton Oilers to seven games in the first round of the playoffs with a lot of young talent. So I love what the Kings have been doing the last 365 days. Last offseason, they added Deneau. They added Arvidsson. Now they add Fiala. Plus, they have a bunch of young talent. Quinton Byfield's going to be able to hit the next level next year. A guy like Alex Turcott might hit the next level next year. Kaliev had a good season this year. The Kings are fun again, Horwat. I'm sure yes. you're happy about it. That's awesome. I will say, Kevin Fiala, while that is a huge number, huge contract. It is. He went from depth, good depth forward to, holy crap, what a goal scorer. Like mm. that. I don't know if maybe that was the system he was playing in Minnesota or if this is actually what he has. I hope it's actually what he has. Mm -hmm. Because the Kings, like you said, can be fun again. They can try and attempt to drop that defensive mindset mm -hmm. um, and let Drew Doughty do a little more too if he's still going to be around forever and ever. Uh, yeah, they should be a fun team. Dustin Brown's retiring and they have that open spot and Kevin Fiala's going to fit right in. He Because, like I said, Kevin Fiala has started started his career pretty much as that depth forward piece now he has a chance to really take off if as a top six winger if he needs to play mm -hmm. depth in la still somehow he can do that too he he is a guy that can literally play all four lines i'm assuming you don't want to put an 83 points or an 85 point score sorry on the fourth line but still he's able to do it if he needs to mm -hmm. so Moving over to call-outs then, because I, I don't think there's much else to say on, on that trade really right now because Fiala wasn't going to sign in Minnesota. He goes to L.A., great for L.A., Minnesota, they get a first and a prospect back for somebody that you weren't going to sign and you don't have to spend $8 million on the cap as well. Listen, I'm sure Minnesota would have loved to keep him, but at the end of the day, if he wasn't going to come back, at least he got something for him, and it's much better than Ron Hextall saying, hey, Seattle's going to take Jared McCann, so we're going to get a seventh-round pick or whatever. A seventh-round pick, and, and what was it? Was it Philip Hollander? It was Philip Hollander, I'm pretty sure. So, either way, uh, good trade. Glad that stuff is starting to actually pop off in the NHL offseason. My call-out for this week, Freddie Freeman's agent. That's yeah, crappy. What happened there? That is crappy. Uh, Freddie Freeman has fired his agent due to figuring out in his first series back in Atlanta after departing this past offseason that the Atlanta Braves had offered him a contract that his agent did not tell him about because he would have signed the contract in Atlanta and not taking more money in L.A. Oh, no. So not only... Are the Atlanta Braves screwed by this? Freddie Freeman, who clearly would have liked to stay in Atlanta, did not see the offer that would have kept him in Atlanta, thinking that they were still lowballing him, still not coming to any of the terms that he wanted. Atlanta bended to the terms that he wanted, but Freddie Freeman instead went out to LA because he was unaware of it. Now that screws Atlanta, that screws Freddie Freeman. That screws every other franchise in the MLB because Freddie Freeman going to the Dodgers makes everybody else's life more difficult. So that is a real... First of all, I don't know... Listen, in the legal world, I know when you're offered like a settlement, and I know this strictly because of watching Suits. Like, don't think that I'm a legal expert at all. But by watching Suits, if you're given an offer, you're legally obligated to take it to your client and at least tell them it's an offer. 
I don't know if that's how that works in sports. Because again, I have no idea how legal stuff really works because I'm not a lawyer. But it feels like there's a pretty big, at the very least, what's the word? M morale. Like, you're freaking, I don't know. This is just a shitty situation. What an awful agent. Like, I don't, like, I don't know what I was trying to go for there. But just at the end of the day, what an awful baseball agent to screw over one of the nicest guys in the MLB. I like Freddie Freeman a lot. I've said so many times this season, it's a shame he's on the Dodgers. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? I didn't yeah. realize that was the whole story. I knew something came out. I've been busy. But, wow. Okay. So, if you're the Dodgers, <laughs> how do you feel if you're the Dodgers right now, though? I mean, sure, you're like, yeah, hey, we got our guy. We can afford him. Whoops. But, like, really, it, if you have a conscience on the Dodgers... What are you what are you thinking? Like, wow, you really shouldn't be here. Wow, you're that's... you're just thinking, "Hey, listen, we did nothing wrong. We offered you a lot of money and you 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 signed it." And I'm sure Freddie Freeman's happy to be a Dodger. Like, I'm sure he's not like miserable to be playing for the LA Dodgers, but you basically at that at that point, they're looking from the outside and saying, Man, you got a shitty you got, you got a pretty shitty uh yeah, shitty guy unless you just it, go, it, woof, it, what happened? Yeah. Unless it comes out that, like, the Dodgers talked to, and Casey Close is the name of the agent. Unless it comes out that the Dodgers talked to him and were like, yeah, don't tell him about that offer because he's not going to he's not gonna sign here. Then it's bad on the Dodgers, oh, yeah. but nobody's saying that as of right now. No, and I don't think anyone will. No. <sighs> they, don't need to, they don't need to do that because you know what they would have done? They would have said, who's the next best first baseman? Here's all the money again. Yeah. They, they don't, they don't need to do insider trading from the Dodgers. Yeah, just I'm baffled at that, though. Yep. Especially coming off of a World Series, coming off of there were thoughts and talks that he wasn't going to return anyway. Mm -hmm. Oh, does that hurt? Does that hurt or what? That's messed up. Yeah. So close this out, Horwat. What's your call out? Man, we haven't really uh, talked too much about it, but I'm calling out the Tampa Bay Lightning um, for and John Cooper for not acting like you've been there before. Uh, You're on your third straight. I've also been talking crap on John Cooper all season. Yeah, since, so it since may the as well, first game of the season. <laughs> yeah, so it may as well continue into the last. Um, something about John Cooper this year just rubs me the wrong way. Something about Nikita Kucherov at that in the last 30 seconds rubbed me the wrong way. These guys were just acting like they'd never been there before. All season they were acting like the underdog, first of all. You're not. You're the two-time Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. You're not an underdog. Sure, you're tired. Yeah, the Penguins have been there before, but we didn't act like an underdog all the, the entire season. John Cooper, with his antics of pulling the goalie with a lot of time left, going into now saying there were two, literally, I, uh, there are times to cry in sports. Mm -hmm. After losing because you think the other team had too many men on the ice when you had more, is not, and ending your press conference short is not one of them. Yeah. Act like you've been there, John. Also, all of the Islanders fans have every right to be mad at him because of how they scored with "quote unquote" too many men on the ice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was just the wrong step by John Cooper, and to just backtrack the next day it was so funny to me. Tail between your legs, saying, "Oh yeah, they had too many men on the ice," but the yada yada yada, whatever he said. I didn't listen to him. Yeah. And then Kucherov, who th whipping his glove at his equipment manager, <laughs> while very funny. Um everyone's kind of in the wrong there. The, the equipment manager has to be on his job, take notes from uh, Tagli and Eddie. I think uh, we all understand that. But also, Cooch, you, you couldn't just use someone else's stick at the time? I, in the video, you see someone like handing Kucherov, like, hey, just take mine. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm the fourth liner. I'm the plug. I'm not going out there. Yeah. 30 seconds left in the game where if you just score once, you are Nikita Kucherov, you can score in 30 seconds. You tie the game. Possibly force another game seven. Just giving up. Act like you've been there before. You know, I get that you, that maybe it was anger, frustration. You're trying to win again. Get that part of it. Um, but use another stick. You know, maybe fly off the ice, tell someone else to go. Just anything more than just standing there, wasting a piece of equipment while your equipment manager is just kind of acting like he's been there before. Like, ah, we've won two. We don't need a third. <laughs> I don't know. Just something about the Tampa Bay Lightning and losing rubbed me rubbed me the wrong way, and I'm so happy the Colorado Avalanche won. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the Avalanche. Shout out to Jack Johnson, Nathan McKinnon, and hopefully Drunk Crosby. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll have to see if that uh, if that pans out in that certain way. But no, with the the Kucherov thing, listen, that team got two scoring chances the entire period. What did he think was going to happen in the last thirty seconds? A third. I don't know. He's he's Nikita Kucherov. I mean, and he was he he had the best chance of the third period, and he whiffed on it. So uh, at the end of the day, listen. If the equipment manager didn't have the stick ready, yeah, that's on the equipment manager. But, dude, act like a professional. Whipping whipping your gloves at them, that's not okay in any sense of the word. But it's not the first time that Nikita Kucherov has kind of acted like a piss baby, and it won't be the last. Um, it's just what you get with Kucherov, it seems like. But he's still a phenomenal player. But you can't do – like, don't do stuff like that. It, it's, it's embarrassing for you. It's embarrassing for your team. And I also love – that the first thing John Cooper was saying is, you know, he, he did give credit to Colorado Avalanche. He said they're, they're the better team. You know, they won, which is new from from Cooper. Uh, but he, he, he followed it up with, man, you should see the injuries that we have. You're going to be surprised when the injury report comes out. Did you see Valeri Nachushkin's foot? It is broken in three places. And that man was the biggest factor in that series that was not named Kale McCarr or Nathan McKinnon. So listen, everybody's injuries. Everybody has injuries. So stop pandering to that like it is the reason you lost. You lost because you weren't the, the better team. You said that quietly, but you said the other part a lot louder. That's what I'm like. This is this. That's peak John Cooper right there. Wait until you see the injury report. Congratulations, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like. Congrats, your players played absolutely mangled when they shouldn't have. Pretty much. And Braden Point But that's, being that's the was, NHL, though, so yeah. like, I'm not going to say anything about that. That's every NHL team. Right. It's just, just so funny, just the arrogance he carried himself with all season. All well, season. he's a lawyer. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. He's bag. a lawyer. <laughs> Dirtbag lawyer. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Hopefully we have some more news, maybe a signing at some point uh, to talk about. But we will be back on Monday with a new episode full of Penguins talk, full of fun. And we will see you guys then on, that'll be the 4th of July. Hey. We haven't talked about that. So we might be back Monday. If not, we'll be back Tuesday. But uh, nonetheless, we'll be back next week. We'll see you guys then. Enjoy your 4th of July weekend, Pens fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.